Welcome to Glory Days, a Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of Glory Days, a Georgia Bulldogs podcast. I'm your host, Todd Brooks. And today, we are going to focus on the next game on the Georgia Bulldogs schedule this weekend. They have a game against the Tennessee Volunteers, August 10th. 2020 just two more days away and i want to offer up my weekend preview of georgia versus tennessee and take a look around the sec and the sec schedule so the first thing i observed this weekend against the tennessee volunteers is that tennessee is coming into athens and they're going to be on a mission and their mission is going to be to start off a season as good as they can as dominant as they can, and defeat the Georgia Bulldogs. And what I expect to be a close game, I know that some people may think that's a joke, and that's fine if you do, but I'm telling you that I think this is going to be a close game for various reasons, and we're going to look over all the reasons that I think this is going to be a close game as we go on a little bit further into our show. Tennessee, so far this season, has been – Fairly dominant. They won a close game against South Carolina and then won a blowout game against Missouri. Now, neither one of those teams really has been very good this year. South Carolina, you know, gave it their all against Tennessee in the very first game, fumbled the ball at the very end of the game, and ended up losing the game. That was a special teams fumble. Last week, Missouri just really didn't have it in them and lost the game against Tennessee fairly handily. So now Tennessee gets really what should be their first challenge of the season, playing this Georgia Bulldogs team. The question that I have as we get closer into the game on Saturday is will Georgia look ahead to what their mission is going to be for next week? We know Georgia's playing Tennessee this week, but we all know who the opponent is for next week's schedule is, is they'll be playing the Alabama Crimson Tide. And that game is looming large. Georgia wants to win it. They lost a national championship to the University of Alabama three years ago. They lost an SEC championship game to the University of Alabama the year after that. Didn't play Alabama last year because LSU beat them during the regular season. So they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game and then eventually won the national championship game itself with wins over Oklahoma and Clemson. So now Alabama is now the primo team in the SEC again. So um, we're going to take a look at, at all this, you know, see if Alabama has any legitimate chances of losing this weekend. We're going to take a look at the uh, Florida Gators and kind of just scout and see what's out there for them as they're playing the Texas A&M Aggies this weekend. And then I want to look at all the other games around the SEC that might be a little bit less interesting. But definitely the best game of the weekend is Georgia versus Tennessee, 3.30 kickoff on CBS. So let's just kind of look at uh, everything that's going on with the Georgia Bulldogs right now. So you got Stetson Bennett thus far. It's 451 total yards that he's passed for. Um, really good passer rating for a quarterback. He's at 148.7. Zamir White did not look very good in the first game against Arkansas. Really came alive last week against Auburn. Had a good game. Uh, Jack Pierce Jackson, 
Uh, really came alive as a wide receiver. You know, George Pickens, I still think, is our number one receiver. Kadarius Jackson is a number two option for us. But I think Kadarius Jackson could be a number one receiver. He looked that good, and he was really catching that deep ball last week. So there is that. Uh, there's other looming questions, too. Will Stetson Bennett be the starter the rest of the season, or will Georgia ever go with JT Daniels or give DeJuan Mathis chance, another chance? And I don't think the opportunities for those guys is over because I still, you know, I said this in my podcast that I recorded on Sunday. I don't feel like that Stetson Bennett in the long term is going to be the Georgia Bulldogs quarterback. I think at some point a change is going to have to be made. But right now, I'm good with Stetson Bennett being the quarterback. I think he's the best option. And until he fails you, you do not need to switch anybody out on a permanent basis. Sure, if they want to come in for garbage time and they want to uh, to play late in the game, sure. I mean, let them do that. I, I don't see any reason not to do that. That's what you you should do. But you shouldn't make any kind of dramatic changes at quarterback unless it's just not working now. If you get into a matchup against a team like Alabama or Tennessee this weekend, then if it's not working for Stetson Bennett and you feel like you just have to make the play to win the game, much like Nick Saban did against the Georgia Bulldogs in the 2017 season national championship game when he made a switch from uh, Jaden Hurst to Tua Tugavala, then you have to make those changes. But otherwise, you just don't want to make that change at all. You, know, you only want to make that change if you absolutely have to. So that's kind of the question that is looming large for Georgia. You know, they've got two tough games back-to-back. I mean, really, the rest of Georgia's schedule up until the Florida game is kind of a nightmare. They play Tennessee this weekend. Then they have Alabama. Then they have Kentucky, which theoretically should be an easier game. And I think it, it, it should be. It's definitely the easiest game they have for the next few weeks. Then you have a bye week, and then you play the Florida Gators. But then after that, the schedule is going to ease up a little bit as you're going to finish the season with Mississippi State, Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. So if you're going to nip the Georgia Bulldogs, I think it's going to be important for teams to nip them over the next few weeks because once they get that Florida game and they haven't been nipped yet, I don't think Georgia's going to lose a regular season game unless it's at South Carolina. We know South Carolina beat them last year, but Georgia should be ready for that game as South Carolina – Looks so far to be down. Now, South Carolina's playing Vanderbilt this weekend, so we'll see. I mean, South Carolina really has to win that game. If not, in a normal year, you would see some firing of coaching staffs. But this is a pandemic year. They may have to stick with Will Muschamp for at least another year or two. So uh, we'll see what happens as far as that goes. But you got your leaders. You got Stetson Bennett at quarterback. Zamir White's leading all the running backs, but James Cook looked really good against Auburn the other night with his 60, uh, with his 42 yards rushing. He's got 67 on the season, but he broke some long ones last week against Auburn as well. And he was catching, uh, he was you know, really like a change of pace back for you. McIntosh, Kenny McIntosh looked very good for you as well. Jackson, like I said, broke out against Auburn last week. And then uh, you got your kicking game that's pretty good so far. Palencia, he's four for five, kicking field goals, kicking about 80% of his field goals. And um, he hasn't really hit anything long. You know, he's 0 for 1 when he kicks a field goal from 40 to 49 yards. And he's 2 for 2 when he kicks a field goal from 30 to 39 yards. And 2 for 2 when he kicks a field goal 20 to 29 yards. He's also not attempted a short field goal of 1 to 19 yards yet either. Okay, so on the other side of the ball, 
you have the Tennessee Volunteers. Now, these are the stats that fans don't know. Everybody knows all about the Georgia Bulldogs already, so I don't want to rehash those stats too much. But for Tennessee, this is what you need to know. For the season, they're averaging 33 points per game. Their opponents are only averaging 19 points per game. Um, so, uh, you know, that's big. Rushing yards, they are rush, they've rushed so far for 404 yards, and they've averaged 182.5 yards per game. I think this is a very big stat when it comes to matching up with the Georgia Bulldogs. Tennessee largely is a time of possession team, just like Georgia is largely a time of possession team. So if both teams end up possessing the ball, let's say theoretically they end up possessing the ball nearly equally this weekend, then this could be a very, very close game for the Georgia Bulldogs, particularly if they are looking ahead to the University of Alabama for this upcoming weekend. I think that's definitely something to keep an eye out for. Now, obviously, you know, the defense could just shut Tennessee down. Garitano is not able to get anything off, and then Tennessee wins this game going ahead fairly easily. So, we'll see. Passing yards, Tennessee is averaging 225.5 passing yards per game. They only have two touchdown passes on the season. I find that very interesting, whereas they have six rushing touchdowns. So, I think you know, uh, that's something to kind of look out for, too. They don't seem to be nearly as strong in the passing game. Georgia's a little bit hard to tell. They were not very good against Arkansas, but looked pretty good last week, at least to the point that I think that they can control the game. Total offense, Tennessee's averaging 408 yards per game. Their opponents are averaging 361.5 yards per game. Tennessee's offense has scored nine total touchdowns. Tennessee's opponents have scored four touchdowns. And then. Uh, penalties, Tennessee has had an average of, um, actually they've had nine penalties for 70 yards or average about 35 yards in penalties per game. And then their time of possession, time of possession for Tennessee, they average the ball 28 minutes and 30 seconds. Their opponents are averaging at 31 minutes and 30 seconds. That kind of throws me off a little bit because, their opponents are actually winning the time of possession game. So maybe that makes the Georgia game not quite as close. But I still think that uh, Tennessee's going to be able to get some stuff done over the course of this weekend. So the matchup to watch for will be Garitano versus Stetson Bennett and against Georgia's defense. And which quarterback comes out on top and which quarterback makes the most plays, I think that's going to be the guy who's going to be able to really win the game for sure. All right, so Garitano on the year, he has got a good passer rating. It's 143.18. He has thrown for 449 yards, two touchdowns. His long of the season, his longest pass of the year, is 36 yards. He averages right at 224 passing yards per game. And then they've got another guy who plays backup quarterback for them. Yeah, and he's not—he's only completed one pass so far, so it's, it's not like he's going to be a a do-all guy. One pass for two yards. Yeah, he's not threatening it at all. All right. 
So you've got that. Then you've got your rushing stats. Tennessee's top rusher is a guy named Ty Chandler. Ty Chandler, so far, he's attempted 32 rushes. He's gained 176 yards. He's averaged 5.5 yards per carry, one touchdown. His longest run is 21 yards. Uh, he's averaging right around 88 yards per game. So he's one of the uh, of the biggest options at running back. Then they have another guy named Eric Gray. He's attempted 28 rushes, rushed for 151 yards. He's averaged 5.2 yards per carry, two touchdowns. His longest run is 22 yards, um, and he averages 72 yards per game. So those are largely your two biggest running backs for Tennessee. Jabari Small, he's gained 27 yards. You know, these are guys you really look at. And then Gertano himself, he's been able to uh, get 50 yards rushing in addition to those uh this passing yards that he's picked up on the season. So based on those matchups, yeah, you know, I still think Georgia's gonna be able to win the game, but I do think this one will probably be closer than the Auburn game. Although I picked the Auburn Georgia game very, very close last week. So maybe this one will be a blowout to him. Certainly hoping so. So we don't have to lot so we don't have a lot to worry about with the University of Tennessee for this weekend. Looking at this weekend's SEC matchups on the other hand it's something else that I want to do because, you know, it, you have so many theories about what could happen. we got a full docket of SEC games again. So, once again, just like last weekend, you're going to have another week in which seven SEC teams win their game and seven SEC games uh, and, and seven SEC teams lose their game. So, you're going to have that going all weekend. So, these are – or the wit matches for this weekend. You've got Florida at number number four, Florida versus um, number loosely number twenty one, Texas A M, who I don't think even should be ranked. Um, and that's a game that we're going to be able to really talk about and get into and see what happens. But I'm I'm going to analyze each game together. You got South Carolina at Vanderbilt. It's a twelve p.m. kickoff as well. Then you have number 17, LSU, going to Missouri. That's another 12 p.m. game. So that's three games already off the docket for the afternoon. Then you have number 14, Tennessee, at number three, Georgia. We've already kind of gone over that game. Um, and just to see what we thought would happen this weekend. And we've got some genuine opinions about the game, about uh, whether or not we think Georgia's going to win or lose, we will predict a score a little bit later in the show. Arkansas at number 13, Auburn on the SEC Network, a 4 p.m. game. And then your nightcap games. Uh, we'll see if Alabama and Ole Miss happens at 7.30. Been hearing because of the hurricane coming into Mississippi, that game could be delayed. There's some potential that it could be a couple hours delayed until about 9.30, or maybe it may not happen until Sunday. So that's something to keep your eye out for. And you have Mississippi State at Kentucky. So that's a chance for Mike Leach to pick up another win or for Kentucky to snap out of their 0-2 skid to start the season. So let's start with the very first game. Florida at number 21, Texas A&M. This seems to have been a very popular upset pick among some of the national media this weekend. I've heard some fans call into the Paul Feinbaum show over the course of the week, and they have predicted an upset here. Guys, 
that's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I don't believe in Jimbo Fisher. The only time in my life that I've ever believed in Jimbo Fisher was the time when he was the coach of the Florida State Seminoles, and he led Florida State to a win over Auburn. And that should have been a game that he should not have won either. Auburn basically had that game won, and they blew it at the very end. Their fan base can say they didn't, but that's exactly what happened. They blew that game at the very end. I'm picking Florida to beat Texas A&M. I don't think it's going to be very close either. But you know what? I'll give ten, I'll give Texas A&M a little bit of respect. I'm gonna pick Florida 31 to 17 in this game. I will uh, give Texas A&M a little bit of points there, a few points, but not a whole lot. I don't think they're gonna win this game. All right, then you got South Carolina at Vanderbilt. Okay, so this is the battle of who well, for Vanderbilt, I guess it's can they win a game on the season? Because I've picked them to go 0 and 10 throughout the year. South Carolina, you know, just kind of a heartbreaking game, their first game of the year against Tennessee. And then they come back and they played a game against Florida last week. And Florida beat up on them pretty good. You know, the stats in the game were just about equal. I think South Carolina gets their first win of the season. I'm going to like them to beat Vanderbilt 31-7 to on the SEC Network at 12 p.m. Next game up, you've got LSU at Missouri. So here we go. We're going to um, see LSU get another shot. They're playing a Missouri team coached by Eli Drinkwich. It's not very good yet. They'll develop over time. But the schedule did them no favors because Missouri was one of the few teams in the SEC that ended up with both Alabama and LSU. They were, you know, Missouri's an Eastern Division team, and they ended up with what arguably still could be the two best teams in the West. I don't think LSU's out of this equation yet by any means. Their defense definitely has a lot of holes in it. There's definitely lots of room for improvement. But I think LSU could still end up being the SEC's the SEC West second best team by seasons in. And who knows if they can somehow pull an upset up for Alabama later on in the year, maybe LSU can still win the SEC West. I like LSU beating Missouri 41 to nothing. Okay. Tennessee at Georgia. I'm going to skip from picking that game right now because we're going to pick that at the very end of the show. Arkansas at Auburn. Wow. Auburn's ranked 13th. So with Auburn, I really can't say I've seen them actually look good all year. Auburn has been okay at times, but I would never say that they've actually looked very good in any of the games that they've played this year. Auburn beat Kentucky in the first game. was very, very close in the first half, and then Auburn kind of just drifted away from Kentucky in the second half. Auburn came to Georgia last week, was destroyed, uh, just really was in the game. They lost 27-6. to Never really looked like they were in sync. So now they're playing an upbeat Arkansas team who just came off an upset over Mississippi State over the weekend. All right, so Sam Pittman, he's got a team with some confidence now. They were able to upset Mississippi State. The defense looked pretty good. Offense was able to do a few things. They're playing an Auburn team who doesn't really seem to have an identity yet. You know what? I'm going to go – with this game as my upset of the week, I'm going to go with Arkansas with a 17-13 to 13 win over the Auburn Tigers. Next game up. Oh, boy. We have Alabama at Ole Miss. Okay, so this is what we know about Alabama. 
thus far. We know that Mac for Alabama looks very, very good. Mac Jones looks very good as a quarterback. Looks like a very good replacement for Tua Tugavala. And he may even be a little bit more durable than Tua Tugavala. Tua Tugavala spent half of his Alabama career. It seemed like it was hurt. He played hurt. It finally kind of just fell flat on him last year when he got hurt in that final game he played against Mississippi State. And then he was just out. And he you know, got hurt in the Georgia game and the SEC Championship game in 2018 as well. So he's had his fair share of injuries. Alabama, here's what we know about them so far. They've been pretty decent defensively. They've been very good on offense all year long. They have a just the ultimate passing game in the SEC. Their linebacker from last year, he was hurt. He's back. Um, I, they have Waddle at receiver. They're just loaded at receiver. Here's what we know about Ole Miss. Very good offensive team. They found their quarterback. Matt Corral is their quarterback for this year. Uh, it seems like they picked him over uh, John Rice Plumley. But at the end of the day, this is the other thing we know about Ole Miss. Their defense is absolutely awful. Their defense did not play well against Florida. Kyle Trask did whatever he wanted to do against them. Their defense did not play well against Kentucky. I wouldn't say that um, Kentucky's quarterback did whatever he wanted to against them, but definitely Kentucky ran the ball well and scored lots of points. And the only reason that Kentucky ended up losing that game is because they missed an extra point in the overtime period, allowing Ole Miss to get a possession um, in overtime, and they were able just to kick an extra point and win the football game. But Ole Miss's defense is definitely not very good. And I think Ole Miss is going to lose this game handily. I like Alabama to win this game 62-17. to 17. I think they're going to put it on Ole Miss this weekend. And they still remember those Ole Miss losses from 2015 and 2014. They have not gotten over those two losses yet. And the near loss they had in 2016. So I, I, I definitely think that uh, there's a long ways to go before – Nick Saban gets over this. And then you have the extra factor that he's playing against his former offensive coordinator, Lane Kiffin, who got the boot very early. Uh, well, not I wouldn't say very early, but he got the boot during the college football playoffs, like the ultimate time where you don't want to be fired. You may remember that Lane Kiffin called the game against the University of Washington back in 2015. But apparently he was late to practices. He was late getting to the game. This wasn't organized in his thoughts or his coordination at that point. And so Nick Saban told him to take a hike, and he promoted Steve Sarkeesian to offensive coordinator. And then after he did that, you know, Alabama's offense was just in chaos there for a little while. Steve Sarkeesian left Alabama as the offensive coordinator, went to the Atlanta Falcons, spent two years as offensive coordinator there. And then once the Atlanta Falcons fired him, then Steve Sarkeesian became the offensive coordinator at Alabama again. And it's done a fantastic job, I think. But, um, you know, it's just interesting when you look at this particular matchup. Lane Kiffin will be forever known as the guy who really changed Alabama's offense and their style of play because before Lane Kiffin got there, Alabama was a really run-up-the-middle type team, ball-control possession type team. And as soon as Alabama hired Lane Kiffin, their offense took off. They became more of an every type of team will spread it out a little bit 
Let's run the ball well. We're not quite as physical. We're more of a finesse team now. Let's um, do some wide receiver reverses. Let's get it in the hands of our best playmakers. Let's just throw it up in the air and throw some deep passes. Lane Kiffin did a little bit of everything, and Alabama really owes Lane Kiffin for defining their program. Now, they were able to win two more national championships after Lane Kiffin went there, but they have, you know, they won three before that. So I don't know if that made a big difference in their program, but definitely college football is evolving now to where the passing game is definitely the dominant thing. And and definitely, I think offense is beating defense for right now. I'm not saying the defense may not catch back up again, but for now, the offense is beating the defense of the game of college football. Last game we have to go over is the Mississippi State at Kentucky game. Look, I don't think either of these teams have a very good defense. You might remember that Mike Leach spent a pretty good stint at Kentucky as our offensive coordinator under Hal Mummy back in the late 90s before he went to Texas Tech. He spent two years there, uh, or was it? That was three years there, actually. He was there from 97 to 99. Uh, they had Tim Couch at quarterback, and then there were some other quarterbacks that were there right after that. But uh, Mike Leach, very good coordinator, really defined what Kentucky was able to do. So I'm not surprised that the, that the Mike Leach-style play, the spread that he runs, is able to work in the SEC because Mike Leach has made it work in the SEC before, probably in an era where the defenses in the SEC were actually a lot better than they are now. I mean, when he was coaching at Kentucky, I thought that Kentucky gave uh, Steve Spurrier a scare a couple times. I mean, they, you know, Florida would blow them out, but they definitely would get their points against everybody they played with in the SEC. And I remember, from my perspective, that when I mean, I was a student at Georgia at the time. I was in high school his very first year at Kentucky. And then the next year I was a freshman in college and I'm in a sophomore in college. And I remember that every time that we played against Mike Leach's offense when Hal Mummy was the head coach at Kentucky, that we had something to be worried about every single game. They never actually beat us during that time, but they got very close every year and the games were agonized. I felt like I was going to puke at just about all of them because we just could not get over the hump against them. So those were very, very scary games. Um, I, but I, I think we did a really good job of being able to somehow get past that with Jim Donnan as our head coach. So I'm not surprised at all that those offenses worked. And, and you have to remember something with Mike Leach as well. He was a coach at Texas Tech back in 2008, and he just had that incredible year where they lost one game, their one loss being a blowout loss to Oklahoma, but they had that great win against Texas. Michael Crabtree was their receiver. And then the next year, he put Craig, Craig James' son in some sort of shack, and Texas Tech thought he was mistreating him. You know, Craig James was threatening to sue the university, and so they ended up firing Mike Leach. And so Mike Leach ended up at Washington State based on all that. I think maybe he spent a year um, – on like serious radio before he took the head coaching job at Washington State. But he knows how to coach. I like Kentucky's coach too. I like uh I like um Mike Stoops, but I don't think that Kentucky they're already 0-2 on the season. It's it's already a strange enough season as it is where you didn't really get your spring ball. You know, it, it's something like that could just decimate a team like Kentucky. You didn't get your uh your spring ball, you didn't get a lot of the pre-summer workouts, you basically had like a spring ball and then a week to practice, and then suddenly it was game time. I, I think for a team like Kentucky, that can really affect them, particularly when there are better teams in the SEC. 
I mean, you've got uh, a, a decent, a below, yeah, your quarterback's fairly below average. And all the matchups I have in this game, I really still like Costello the best. And even though Mississippi State lost last week, I think they're going to bounce back this week. And I think they're going to beat Kentucky 38-19. to 19. All right, so that's my take for the week. Okay, Georgia-Tennessee. Here's what I see. Ball control team versus pretty good ball control team. I see dominant a dominant running game from Tennessee versus a running game that looked dominant against Auburn, but not so much against Arkansas. But I'm going to use the Auburn game as my baseline. Georgia, here's what I've learned with Kirby Smart. They typically do not look ahead. The only team that Georgia's really had problems with the last two years, I'm not even going to say the Texas game in the in the bowl game because I think that was definitely a fluke because it was a bowl game. Georgia didn't want to be there. Texas, that was like their national championship. So it's not – but they've had trouble against LSU for the last two years. They lost to LSU two years ago, blowout in Baton Rouge, lost to LSU last year in the SEC championship game. But I think that this year they're playing Tennessee – they're not going to be looking ahead to Alabama. They're going to be focused on the task at hand. Kirby Smart has always been focused on Georgia's rivals. He, he's been dominant against all of Georgia's rivals. He's only got that one loss to Florida. He's got that one loss to Tennessee in his first year. He hasn't lost to Auburn but one time. Lost in 2017. But then got a rematch against Auburn that year. Blew him out. So his, his record against Georgia's rivals is just simply outstanding. Yes, he wants to shake the big guy off the coaching tree, but he's thinking about Jeremy Pruitt right now, and he wants to outdo him in this game. It's the two defensive guys going against each other. I think Georgia's in for a very tight game on Saturday, but I think they're going to do just enough to win. I'm going to pick Georgia winning 26-24 to over the University of Tennessee. All right, so that's our show for today. Kept it right at 30 minutes. If you like what you've heard, Please give us a like on Facebook. I plan on setting up a Twitter page for um, this uh, show pretty soon, too. We can communicate a little bit on Twitter. You can also ask me some questions on Twitter, but I have not gotten to creating that account. So right now, just use our Facebook page as your baseline, and uh, I'll let you know what the address is on that pretty soon where you can find us. So um, thanks so much for listening to Glory Days, and we will be back on Sunday evening to recap the weekend, the SEC, and do a big recap of the Georgia-Tennessee game. Thank you so much, and you have a great weekend. Enjoy your games on Saturday.